You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbing and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 74 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in my garden yes. this evening Al fresco, which is, is nice. my co-host Matt Smith. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Another yes. day gone. I know, another day gone. <laughs> God, this, this year is flying past oh, no, at right rate of Tell me about it, yeah. It is, it is quite frightening, frankly. <laughs> it's, it's almost the end of August already. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is. scary how fast this year is going. It so is. it is Friday, August the 21st, it and is. the time is just coming up to quarter past six in the evening. It is. And uh, we're outside we in are. the sun, we which are. is rather nice. It is. And, uh, yes. Yes. Well, we, we were going to do it inside because we'd been we'd been demoted to the lounge, hadn't we? We weren't allowed yeah. to use the kitchen yeah, studio the... because of uh, her, her Majesty, she who must be obeyed <laughs> at, at all costs. And uh, yes, yeah, so we've been demoted to the lounge, and it's such a lovely evening. So whilst uh, whilst I was at work and yes. Matt had the key to let himself yes. in the house, <laughs> absolutely, we uh, exactly. we decided to uh, make some minor alterations and do it al fresco. And uh, I think it's a fabulous decision. It is lovely. It's nice. Very nice. It yeah. is, it's absolutely. better than being stuck at work anyway. Well, you have to make the most of the fact that we've got some sunshine. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's half the battle. So we have got uh, lots of news for you this mm. week. We also have our final instalment of our RIA interviews from yeah. the Royal International Air Tattoo at Fairford for this year. Our last batch. Yeah, I can't believe it's uh, it was five, five episodes we got out of out of a weekend, wow. which is pretty good going, really. Yeah. yeah. Pip is um, Pip is cu- currently um, putting his episodes out. Mm-hmm. So on the plane safety yep. podcast so he'll be um he'll be up um, having some interviews that he took as well from mm. riyat and his show and uh, we'll have pip back hopefully again next mm. week yes. with yeah. uh, another segment on the show absolutely yes I, it'd be, I've, I've missed him i won't oh, I, no, I have no, missed, missed him i have missed him he's <laughs> been here in spirit obviously because he was at riyat obviously but uh, it's not the same is it I, I need educating i need to know how to make these fling things safer these terrifying airplane i know that, i know it's, it, it's been yeah. a rather sort of um, strange for the last few weeks really for aviation there's been a lot of sort of accidents and yeah, bits and pieces around the world been, yeah. it's not been great it has um, it has been far from good um, no but we have uh, we've got some good stories for you today anyway yep, some absolutely. some uh, quite good stories to bring you uh, so we've got the uh, we've got the commercial news and we've got some uh, the military news we've got yes. a few stories on that we've also got a top 10 this week a top 10 the mili- from the military side as well oh, which is quite different and <laughs> yes. I know it's good and uh, yeah we've got a few shout outs to give to, to the yep. listeners and uh, yeah, that is well be episode seventy four. Absolutely. Okay. So we better we better start. We had, off, hadn't really. we? Yes, otherwise you will be in trouble because because will be home. I know. And, and your fancy dinner will not will not you'll still be recording and she'll be cross. So so we're going to start things <laughs> off then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt, pretty much as ready as I'll ever be. Let's go. <laughs> So kicking off this week's first news story then on the West Sussex County Times website, this one. And the headline, investigation report Boeing 757 escape slide falling off during flight. Now, uh, those of you who follow the news, aviation news, that is, Mm. will remember we had this um, quite a few episodes ago now. That was the escape slide that fell off. Um, during flight on a Worrying. 757. Is, 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 <laughs> um, 
Now, the uh, the plane's escape so- uh, slide fell off at 3,000 feet as it was approaching Gatwick Airport. Uh, the Boeing 757-300 was making an unscheduled return to Gatwick after a problem during takeoff. A report by the Air Accident Investigation Branch, the AAIB, published yesterday um, uh, said that the incident happened aboard a Thomas Cook flight from Gatwick to Egypt on October the 31st last year. Several minor issues are thought to have combined to loosen the slide release mechanism as the plane was taking off. The plane was on the ground travelling at around 70 knots uh, when the cockpit instrument showed that the right overwing escape slide container was not secure. With no sign that the slide had actually come loose, the crew continued their takeoff as recommended by Boeing Quick Reference Handbook. However, after consulting their airline, they decided to return to Gatwick. The uh, pilot circled the aircraft for around about 40 minutes with the landing gear, flaps and air brakes deployed to burn off excess fuel and to get the plane down to a normal landing weight before it could return back to Gatwick. As the plane descended to 3,000 feet, some of the cabin crew and passengers heard a number of bangs or felt the airframe shuddering. Two passengers reported seeing a white object fall from the right-hand side of the aircraft. It was later discovered that the object uh, in question was the emergency slide, which had struck the body of the plane and one window before it fell. As you do. <laughs> On final approach, the pilot noticed that the autopilot seemed to be having trouble keeping the wings level. He switched off the autopilot, and uh, it, which took control, or which he took control, and um, he, although he can control the airport uh, aircraft, so I've got sun in my eyes here. <laughs> he reported that it needed significant amount of uh, left aileron to stop the plane rolling to the right. Um, the aircraft landed subsequently landed safely, and um, this uh, obviously this is a report that's now come to light. This, is, this just goes to show how long these reports last mm, and take yeah. after these instances, you know, small incidents. Like well, as you say, it was a while ago that it took place. And uh, I mean, the, and the the slide landed in a tree <laughs> and was later recovered by investigators. Always nice, yes. And they <laughs> discovered apparently the cause that a crank handle, which controls the panel latches, had moved to the release position. So there we go. So mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously that was a, uh, you know, that all. So how long ago was this? This was October last year. Right. Um, yeah, that was oct- uh, October the thirty-first mm. last year. Um, but no, okay. it's uh, obviously they've uh, found out what was wrong, and yeah. um, there's a picture there on the website. Actually, you can see um, yeah. sort of where the slide came it, from. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's one of those it's one of those things, isn't it? As you say, you don't really realise how long it takes. Uh, for these reports, mm. I suppose. It, I mean, however you look at it, the, the report has got to be really thorough, hasn't it? So yeah, even sort of small incident. Yeah. Well, this was quite, no, I suppose, a serious incident, I suppose, because obviously the falling slide could have yeah you know, missed a tree and hit something else. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. It's just not 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 good. So moving not on. God, in- okay, on to the next story then. And Carlos always seems to leave these for me, which is always nice. It is shock, horror, and an a Ryanair story and it is on the Irish Mirror and the headline is and this is a pretty gross headline there's no two ways about it Ryanair issues grovelling apology after customer had to sit beside a pool of vomit for the entire flight yeah. That's not good. I, I wouldn't have been out of cope with this. The budget airline apologised after the man was left sitting beside um, the puke. Oh, this is so beautifully written uh, by the puke, the puke uh, on a flight yeah. from Gatwick to Dublin. Ryanair has uh, has apologised to a customer after he had to sit beside vomit for the entire duration of a flight. The low-cost airline said sorry after the man was left sitting beside the puke on a flight from Gatwick to Dublin on Sunday. Um, 
The, the gentleman claims the sick was there from a previous flight and said cabin crew told him it would not be cleaned up by the plane until the, until the plane landed at the Irish capital. He told the Irish Mirror, uh, yesterday I was on a flight home from Gatwick to Dublin. There was vomit in the row next to me. It had happened on a previous flight. Ooh. Cabin crew had made no attempt to clean it and told me uh, that it would not be cleaned until they got to Dublin. And there's a really lovely picture on the website, which I'm not going to oh, show you. No, we're not going to put that no, one on the site. Absolutely, no. yeah. I had to sit next to the vomit for an hour and a half. The plane was was warm, the sick smelled, and it made me heave. Well, I, I'm not at all surprised. Ryanair apologised for the incident to the customer. In response to the gentleman's post on Facebook, they said, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We will forward, the, forward this to our in-flight team to investigate this further and hopefully limit this uh, going forward. Apologies for any inconvenience caused. Well, that's not really good enough. It needs better than, more than an apology, frankly. In a statement, Ryanair said, We sincerely regret this incident, which was caused by a shortage of cleaners at Gatwick Airport, which should have delayed the flight, um, uh, which would have delayed the, um, the, the return flight by more than an hour. The cabin crew blocked off the row of seats in order to minimise any delay uh, on the return flight and we apologise for any inconvenience caused. Last month, a probe was launched after a Ryanair flight en route to Spain performed a U-turn to collect a bag it left behind. Uh, yes, we covered that last week, I think, didn't we? Mm. The aircraft aborted its flight to Alicante shortly after takeoff and returned to the city of Derry Airport after the captain announced to the passengers that he was returning the aircraft uh, to, because they had forgotten a bag. Um, it, it's it's not exactly smelling of roses. Uh, this particular story. It's just gross. Do you know? I, you, oh, you, you, I can't think of I just, you, the smell. I really the smell of sick is just not not great. No, it is not. Yeah. Uh, I definitely wouldn't want. Well, I. I I wouldn't put up with that at all. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'd be, I'd, uh, you know, it should be yeah. sorted out there and then. Well, it should have been. And, and, and I know, I know, it's not in their job description and all this kind of thing. And that there are, believe it or not, very strange rules about dealing with any kind of body waste, regardless of what it is. And they are, in in fairness to them, they're probably not actually allowed to clean it up themselves. You're supposed to have somebody <laughs> with like suits and stuff, but I'm sorry, I think I as a cap- member of cabin crew would take the initiative and think, well my, you know, my uh, my passengers can't be sitting in this, this or sitting next to this. This is just vile and wrong and, and vile. Vile, yeah. vile, vile. Vile, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, never mind. Uh, on to the next story then. On Carl. to the next story then. Uh, yeah. this one's on the Birmingham Mail. Uh, website mm. and uh, the headline pilot's miracle escape after plane flips upside <gasps> down at Wolverhampton Airport. Me, this looks very much like one of your little aircraft. Uh, not in that situation, I'd no, hope. No, 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 no. <laughs> so um, a man managed to get out uninjured after yeah. his light aircraft crashed at Wolverhampton uh, Halfpenny Green Airport. <laughs> the pilot had a lucky escape after his light aircraft landed upside down um, on the airport grounds. Emergency crews were called uh, to the Halfpenny Green Airport at around uh, 10.25 on Sunday. An air ambulance crew and uh, a paramedic area support officer and the Midlands, uh, the Midlands Air Ambulance from Cosford were in attendance at the scene. Fortunately, the pilot had escaped uh, injury in the crash. A spokesman for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said the pilot, mm-hmm. a man in his 30s, got out. He was checked over by the Midlands Air Ambulance doctor and had no injuries on him, just a few aches and pains, and he was discharged at the scene. Which is pretty amazing. Just scroll it back to that picture. For those watching on YouTube, I should just put the uh, the, the picture on there. That, that, that is a bizarre sight, that isn't is, it? That is... 
what I mean, upside down. Bearing in mind, yeah. you know, the, the, the cabin, <laughs> the cabin itself is, uh, yeah. it's on the roof. Ah, yes, that's a good um, point. It's, yeah. it's probably not a best position to be in, but obviously you see there the door is open yeah. and the pilot's obviously got out. God, he's um, lucky he didn't sort of, uh, mm. didn't collapse on him. I mean, that's amazing. Well, the nose wheel's collapsed, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, that's probably the cause of what what flipped him over. Mm. Um, Absolutely. But uh, well, you, you have to remember these these aircraft that we fly, well, I mm. fly, that whole wing section, that whole wing spot is, mm. is, is a fuel tank. Oh, The whole piece oh, there is a fuel a tank. That, that, mm. that, 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 that's uh, that doesn't doesn't bear thinking about, does it? That, that, that really is quite scary. But good news, he got out safe. So yeah, that's good news. That is definitely, definitely good news. Yeah. That is good news. Uh, I should apologise very quickly to those who are watching on YouTube because the sun has now come round the yard arm. All the cameras are a little bit white, but uh, apologies oh. for that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's an ongoing experiment. It is improving. We are outside. Yeah, we are outside, sun. and uh, mm. it is frankly a glorious evening. So I am glad we're outside. Anyway, on to the next story. This is on the Business Traveller website, and the headline is. Etihad, uh, is it Etihad? Etihad. 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 Uh, adds third A380 to Heathrow. Etihad Airways is moving towards uh, an all A380 operation to London Heathrow after adding a third super jumbo onto the route. The carrier started operating a third A380 between uh, Abu Dhabi and London Heathrow yesterday. It rostered its first A380 between the two cities at the end of last year uh, and a second in May. Uh, Etihad now flies uh, the A380 on all three services that's ey 11 slash 12 and ey 17 slash 18 and finally ey 19 slash 20 however looking ahead to september it appears that an a340 aircraft will be rostered once uh, or twice a week on the ay 17 slash 18 and ay ey um, 19 slash 20 services as this differs, differs slightly from week to week readers are advised to check the plane type before booking uh, Etihad's uh, A380 contains a residence by Etihad oh, three that room is so suite. Cool. What's, a, what's, a, what's the Etihad three room suite? The residence, thing? Matt. It's, it's, I mean, let me, we covered it. I'm sure we covered oh, we? it um, last yeah. year. I think on right. the show. I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> the residence is um, is on available on the A380 the yes. on uh, on Etihad. It, it's essentially it is your own hotel suite Ew. on a plane. Really? So you have a lounge area. Where you can watch telly, yeah. and then you have a separate room with your double bed in, <laughs> and then you have another um, room which uh, has the ensuite bathroom shower. Ew. Ew. Oh, and, and I see also a dedicated butler. And a dedicated, a dedicated butler. butler. I was then going to yeah. say that. A dedicated <laughs> That's amazing. butler. amazing. I'm never going to... Have you... I, I'm assuming, obviously, you haven't had the pleasure. No. 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 Okay. Um, That's a shock. I dread to think how much one of those flights would be. Um, I... I, I I, I'm not off the top of my head. No, I'll, I'll, that's something we'll have to look up for a, for a later show oh, no. as to how much these sweet yeah, yeah, sweets cost. A lot, I think, is the, but, is the um, short of it. Uh, it says uh, anyway. Uh, there are nine. We, we've just lost a wide shot camera. Oh, have we? Okay. Yes, oh, it's okay. just fell down. All right. Okay. Um, and uh, yes. Right. Good. Okay. We'll uh, carry we'll, on. We'll deal with that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Matt will do that next. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, anyway, it's got nine uh, apartments, each featuring a, a recli- the reclining lounge chair and an ottoman, and opens up to become a separate 80.5 inch fully flat bed. It also has 70 Ooh. business class seats and 417 economy seats. That's amazing. Um, earlier this month, Emirates announced that its uh, London services will become an A380 only service offering from the 1st of January. So That's that, cool. That is quite exciting. When you get a chance, yeah. Matt, and for yeah, you listeners absolutely. listening, yeah. when you get a chance, go on to uh, Google or yeah. whatever search engine you use yeah. 
and just type in uh, Etihad's residence and check out the pictures because you'll it, it is stunning. I bet, um, yeah. You know I what bet. what you get, yeah. but obviously it's not for me and you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, on to the next story while I go and sort. On to the, the next story while yeah. Matt sorts out the wide cam. This one on the uh, travel. Where are we? The uh, Telegraph travel site. This one, British Airways begins flying to Peru. A destination I'd love to go to Peru. Uh, it's one of the destinations in my in my bucket list of uh, places to go. And so the national carrier BA has announced that uh, it's launching a new direct flight to Lima, the capital of Peru. Less than a fortnight after announcing direct flights to Costa Rica from May the fourth, two thousand sixteen, British Airways have confirmed this week that they will fly non-stop uh, to Lima. From the same date, the Peruvian capital has long been neglected in terms of direct flights from the UK. Daytime flights will depart from London Gatwick throughout the summer months on Wednesdays, Fridays, Sundays, and from October, the service will be reduced to twice weekly. There's been no direct air link between the UK and Lima since 1982 when Peru closed its airspace to flights being operated by British Caledonian to show its support for Argentina during the Falklands War. BA has continued to fly uh, to cities in Argentina and Brazil, both of which attract significant business traffic, the airline says. Um, its launch of the Lima service is banking on the popularity of the world-class tourist sites found in Peru. Uh, Lima is a gateway to some stunning South American tourist destinations, a BA spokesman told the Telegraph Travel. And um, so the, such uh, sites such as the Inca Trail, the Machu Picchu, are often included in must-see lists for customers. Uh, starting this route allows us to convenient uh, or convenient way of offering a direct service uh, for visitors from the UK. Wow, that's great. I mean, that's one of those. That is one of those destinations. Um, mm. I would love to go to Lima yeah, in Peru. I mean, show, um, that picture is amazing. Let me just uh, show you that. Um, my mum's been there. Oh, is she? Yeah, my mum's been there quite a few years ago, and she says it's fantastic. Yeah, um, okay. and she, and she's done the Machu Picchu thing and <laughs> stuff. So, and it's, why is it I think of Pokemon when you? <laughs> <laughs> Tamagotchi. Honestly, what are you like? I'm such a geek. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, good news, everyone. The wide camera is back. Oh, good. Uh, (laughs) But no, it's great that BAs are offering a direct service. That's Mm. that's good. That um, you know, if you because before you had to do obviously connecting flights Mm. to get to uh, to get to Lima and Peru. So at least you can fly from the UK direct now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I presume you you could still get to it, but you couldn't go direct. You had to go to a different airport and, and then sort of fly out. Yeah. So oh, next well, story, yes. Then. Okay, yes. Uh, next story then, and uh, this is uh, the headline uh, is uh, it's the cityam.com is the website, and the headline is Sussex Police Taser Man on board EasyJet <laughs> flight EZY831 at Gatwick Airport. That's a bit scary, isn't it? What on earth did they do that? Um, one moment. A man has been tasered by police on board an EasyJet flight due to depart uh, from London Gatwick's airport this morning. Um, when, whenever that was. What was the date on this? My apologies. I should have checked that. Anyway, I'm not sure. It's uh, 20th. When's that? So that was yesterday morning. Um, obviously, this being Friday. So Thursday morning. Uh, a man was dragged off the flight before passengers were also removed uh before passengers were also removed from the plane. It's thought the man was demanding two pieces of carry-on luggage. I thought you were allowed two pieces of 
You're allowed a bag in another thing. Anyway, uh, EasyJet confirmed that police uh, boarded uh, flight EZY831 bound for Belfast this morning due to a passenger behaving disruptively. Whilst such incidents are rare, we take them very seriously and uh, do not tolerate abusive or threatening behaviour on board and always push for prosecution, the airline tweeted this morning. The safety of passengers and crew is always EasyJet's priority. Sussex police said in a statement, a man is in police custody after being tasered on an aircraft. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing and I'm not really sure <laughs> That's why. Not good. I apologise. Being tasered on an aircraft waiting to depart from Gatwick Airport to Belfast on Thursday morning. Uh, police officers were called to the EasyJet flight shortly after 8am to reports of a passenger who was becoming increasingly abusive following a dispute That's over not luggage. Good. Uh, a man has been arrested on suspicion of breach of the peace. The aircraft has been disembarked and police are taking statements from witnesses among the crew and passengers. So if, if essentially gonna... everyone was then in- inconvenienced uh, because of the problem. Mm. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we've co- I mean, how many sto- times have we covered stories like this on yeah, the show, Matt, with, where people either drunk or, um, you know, who, who are being mm. abusive towards staff. And that is just a big no-no straight it's away. Ab- you know, it's there's absolutely no, there's no... unforgivable. There's no reason no. for it at all, is there? So moving on, the next story the next on Flight Global, this one. Uh, if you remember a few weeks or a week, no, it was probably a week ago, Matt, or two mm. weeks ago. Remember we covered oh, yes, the, the remember, bird strike, yes. Remember we covered the story about the <gasps> oyster hail hitting yeah. that, that delta yeah. Uh, plane. Remember that it had the, the wind, the actual windshields were, absolutely, were smashed. Yeah, absolutely smashed. Well, this, well, this one this week um, um, is a bird strike, mm. uh, which uh, tears open the radome on a. Mm. Um, it's a Singapore Airlines triple seven, and the bad the bird strike badly damaged the nose cone of a Singapore Airlines mm. Boeing triple seven two hundred ER aircraft mm. operating from Istanbul to Singapore on the seventeenth of August. Photos on social media and on Flight Global site here show the radome of the aircraft uh, registered uh, 9 Victor uh, Sierra Victor Bravo is torn, literally torn open. Mm. The aircraft also suffered a dent to its right engine cowling. Uh, the aircraft, which was operating flight SQ391, turned back and landed safely, and none of the 255 passengers and 14 crew on board suffered any injuries. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database lists the 777-200ER registered as 9 Victor uh, Sierra Victor Bravo mm. and is uh, of 2001 vintage, so it's, uh, it's only 14 years old. Yeah. The aircraft is managed and owned by uh, Singapore Airlines and is powered by Rolls-Royce Trent 800 engines. Mm. Uh, the engineers on the ground have been activated to assess the extent of the damage, says the carrier. A relief flight was launched on the 18th of uh, August and departed Istanbul at uh, 0240 mm, local what, time. Just, yeah, just leave that. Just leave those pictures on there. I'll put I'm that just picture gonna, yeah. there. On so, there so, so. Again, for those who are watching on YouTube, you can actually have a look at these pictures directly. I mean, the nose cone there is Took absolutely one smashed. heck of a beating. Yeah, I mean, mm. he, he says it was a bird strike. I mean, mm. I can only assume it was multiple. A big, but, or, or a big bird. I mean, these oh, when, you, when you see a, yeah. a big um, vulture or mm. sort of size bird, yeah. um, they can yeah. create this amount of damage. God, and then scroll down because there's, the, there's some engine. There's some. Uh, there's yeah, the engine cowling. The, yeah, there's a, quite a large the, dent the there. Dent on the on, and that, now that's the housing to the to the jet engine. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that that can take a dent. That's not too too much of a serious um, yeah. issue. But uh, it can affect a, a slight amount of aerodynamics as such mm. if that is bad damage. But, I mean, you know, the, the damage to the nose cone itself is, is really bad. It's really, it's nothing short of catastrophic, isn't it? I mean, that, 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 is, uh, that is nothing. But that'll be replaced. I mean, that'll be replaced and the aircraft will probably be put back into uh, to operation. That's, that so. is amazing. I, I don't really quite know. How, I mean, how would you go about 
could you almost sort of assume I, I suppose you you can just replace the panel essentially yeah, I don't know whether they claim on insurance for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I would hope so. Yes, absolutely. Claim claim for a bird strike. I don't know yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. I, I don't know. Is it is it something that they cover? You know, act of God and all that. <laughs> it, yeah. it must be. <laughs> we've, we've got actually we've got we've got an act of God story coming indeed. up soon. Yes, we have actually. Yes. Um, but next uh, story. Uh, next story. This is on Flight Global, and the headline is Airbus starts assembling A three fifty dash one thousand wing. What's mm. one of them? That's the A three fifty, but mm-hmm. that's the the dash one. Thousands, the sort of larger right, version okay. of the A350, because yeah. um, like you get the triple seven two hundred, the triple seven three hundred. Yeah. Obviously, the three hundred is bigger than the two hundred. Yeah. So obviously, this one, this one is bit, a bit of knowledge for Matt here. Yeah, the A350 one thousand is the largest yes, version. The biggest, they do. The, yeah, okay, right. Yes, it's the big mama essentially of the, uh, of the thing. <laughs> oh dear, I'm going to get complaints about that. Carry on. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> carry on before I get into trouble. Uh, Airbus has commenced production of the A350 one thousand wing at its specialist UK plant in Broughton. Oh, that's good. Mm, ah, UK, indeed, good old UK. Uh, the wing for the largest member of the A350 family is based on that for the Dash 900, but features modifications including an extended trailing edge. Work on fixed trailing edge sections began back in May. Uh, Broughton's facility will assemble the components of the wing, which include the composite wing covers. Rolls-Royce is developing the higher thrust Trent XWB-97 for the type, which the manufacturer expects to fly on an Airbus A380 testbed uh, towards the end of this year. Final assembly for the A350-1000 is scheduled to begin in the first quarter of 2016. Airbus states that customers have ordered 169 of the 366 seat type. That's pretty good, isn't it? Just looking at some of the specs on here, mm. as you just said, the uh, typical seating, 366 passengers. Yeah. Um, the aircraft has a range of 14,800 uh, kilometres. Gosh. And uh, it also has... Um, a maximum ramp uh, weight, mm. maximum of 308.9 tonnes, which is quite huge. It's powered by um, Rolls-Royce's Trent XWB engines, yeah. uh, which are one of the most powerful engines that they produce, Rolls-Royce mm. produce, um, wow. and has a wingspan of 64.75 metres. <laughs> Wow. That's quite a few of your coat, quite a few BTs. <laughs> quite a few BTs, yes, I know. That that is a lot of passengers, isn't it? That's a terrifying number. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's good. It's good to uh, to see that the parts are being made mm-hmm. in the UK here as yeah, well, as well exciting. as around the uh, yeah, Europe absolutely. as well. That is very exciting. So moving on, yes, Flight Global next story, and the headline: Qantas firms order for eight seven eight seven dash nines, more dash nines. Indeed. So Qantas. Uh, Good day, Stephen Grant. Qantas <laughs> Airways has announced an order for eight uh, Boeing 787-9s that will be used to replace five of its ageing 747-400s and allow for future international growth. Mm-hmm. The carrier says in a statement that it will take delivery of four 787s in the financial year ending uh, the 30th of June 2017 with the remaining four delivered uh, the, a year after. It's also taken 15 options and 30 purchase rights for additional 787s. The aircraft will be powered by General Electric Genex 1B engines. And this milestone acquisition marks the scale of our turnaround and look ahead to a new era for our iconic international airline, says Qantas Group Chief and Executive Alan Joyce. Mm-hmm. He adds that the airline has looked at every aspect of the 787 and it's the right aircraft for Qantas' future. 
Following the retirement of the 5747-400s, which we, we had a news mm, story yeah. earlier on the year, the airline uh, will retain six 400ERs in its fleet. Qantas has uh, ordered 787s in 2000, or first ordered the 787 in 2003. However, due to delays in the program and poor performance from its international division, it's restructured in uh, a deal in 2013 uh, to 14 firm orders for the 787-8 right. variant. Um, for the budget unit Jetstar and converted its orders or firm orders for Dash 9s uh, to options and purchase rights. The order announcement came as the carrier announced an underlying net profit of 975 um, million uh, Australian dollars. Uh, thanks in part to a $267 million in earnings before interest and tax from the Qantas International Business Unit. <laughs> now, I'm sure this is a story I expect that uh, Steve and Grant will probably run on their next show. Oh, I dare say, yes. Um, because this is obviously close to them. Yes, yeah. being Qantas. close to their heart, yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, but that's good. That's good. More more Dash 9s for Boeing. That's the, the larger of the um, Dreamliner. Absolutely. Yeah, good news. Next story? Uh, yes, the next story. Uh, this is, uh, again, on Flight Global. And the pictures, uh, it's a picture story this time. And it's, I don't even know how to say that. How do I say that? Shwijaya. Shrijaya. S-R-I-W-I-J-A-H-A. A-Y-A, sorry. So I'm going to... Swijara is how I would pronounce it. Swijara. Swijara Air takes two 737-900ERs. Swijara Air has taken delivery of two Boeing 737-900ERs. And while I finish this story, Carl's going to look that up so that we we know a little bit more about this particular airline because I've not heard of them. The first of two variants in its fleet. Delivery comes after the Indonesian... Indonesian carrier um, placed the order for the two jets at the Paris Air Show back in June. Uh, today is a very important day for Swijara Air uh, with the delivery of our first all-new airplanes, says uh, Airlines uh, President uh, Chandra Lee. These new 737-900ERs allow us to remain a leader in the market with superior economics and the ability to provide our customers with a world-class cabin experience. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet database shows that the two aircraft uh, bear the registration mark PK-CMO and PK-CMP. These aircraft will be put on sale uh, and leaseback transactions with Airgo Capital. The carrier has 37 aircraft in its fleet comprising the 737 Classics as well as the 737-800. Well, there we go. So... Well, we're not going to try and pronounce that again, so we'll no, try no. S- swear at the yeah, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this well, airline, blah, 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 air, like, S R I W I J A Y A, sweet Sri Wijaya Air. Mm. I'm going to say that. And so it was founded in 2003, yeah. and um, has its headquarters in Jakarta, Indonesia. Gosh. Um, and it has quite a few hubs actually in and around that yeah. that kind of area. Uh, Fleet-wise, it has a bit of a mixture. It's got um, some 737-300s, 400s, 500s, and 800s, and two 900s, as Mm. you've just said. And they've also got orders, this airline, for 20 of the new 737 MAX 8, which are the 737 MAX, which we we know that uh, Ryanair have also got those those orders as well. Yes, they've got several on order, yes. Anyway, on to so the, moving on yes, to the next story. The next story. Um, this is uh, one that's been across the uh, realms mm. of the social media for quite a bit yeah. this week because uh, of the video, which is quite a stunning video. Mm. I watched this today. Yeah. And the uh, the uh, Telegraph is mm. the site for this one, telegraph.co.uk. 
And the headline, Lightning Strikes Boeing uh, 737 Aircraft uh, Depart or Preparing for Takeoff. Mm. So the dramatic footage captured, uh, obviously, by another passenger on another aircraft, uh, moments uh, before the lightning struck this aircraft, Mm. it actually struck a Delta Airlines uh, 737 um, that was about to take off in Atlanta. Gosh. Um, the video shows the moment yeah. that. Uh, in fact, lightning... actually, for, for those uh, those we'll on that. YouTube, I, sh- I shall put the uh, I shall put the video out as part of the, the YouTube thing. So yeah, I'll, okay. I'll include that. Uh, but uh, if you are just watching the feed, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll just show that it is it is truly a dramatic picture, uh, as you say. There we go. That... So the video itself shows uh, the mm. moment the lightning strike hit mm. the aircraft uh, whilst yeah. it was on the runway in Atlanta, and if just yeah. behind there. Uh, on the video, you can see there's actually another Delta. I yeah. think that's um, very similar to um, the mm. aircraft type Gosh. that uh, Captain Jeff flies behind. Yeah, that's the MD, yeah. I think it's the MD-88 or the MD-90. Yeah. So, uh, yes, so if you are watching on YouTube, we're going to run that video for you now. There we go. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty, pretty cool it video that yeah. someone's took there. I mean, the screenshot they've obviously mm, captured yeah. as the moment that it hit the aircraft is yeah, quite stunning. stunning. It is. So the Delta Airlines 737-900ER, so it's one of their newest ones, mm. was uh, queuing for takeoff, and the bolt of lightning hit the top of the jet just uh, just in front of the tail. According to Jack Perkins, who shot the video, um, he said that uh, his plane was grounded because of the severe weather, and he took the fu- uh, footage to show his wife just how bad the conditions were when the uh, strike happened. The plane was carrying 111 customers and six crew when the lightning bolt hit, according to Global News. Mm. However, thanks to some clever engineering, any damage to the aircraft or injury to passengers uh, and crew uh, was avoided. And uh, like Matt said, you'll be mm. able to look at that uh, yeah, video. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just, yeah, that that that, fo- that, well, that that photo there is is amazing, isn't it? That's uh, it is terrifying. I, I mean, I tell you what, that's the only thing. It's like these things can actually survive a lightning strike. But mm. goodness help you if you take your mobile phone off what off uh, airplane <laughs> mode, and, and they absolutely spit their dummy out. But you think, well, I surely a bit of Wi-Fi is not going to do you, anything. Actually, if you actually, Matt, if you look yeah. at the picture which where the the, the, the strikes hit the yes, aircraft, yeah. you can actually see where it's exited by the um, main landing gear can just you? underneath the aircraft. Oh, if you yes, look, of course you, you can, see yeah, where the wheels are. See the tires, yeah. See the tires yeah. out. See where wow. it's. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you look very closely, as I say, the, 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 the picture we, we've, we've, we've zoomed in um, on, 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 on YouTube there, as I said, that, that's amazing. That is, that, wow, wow, wow. There we go. Needless to say, I don't suppose it took off. Well, I, I, do you know, I don't know what happened. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't sound as I did try and look up um, when I read the story earlier yeah. in the week to see what happened to the aircraft, whether they did take it off service. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Perhaps some of our well, US must, listeners yeah. might uh, might know more than they that. Must have, they must have done. I mean, they must have checked it over for uh, for, for problems, mustn't they? I, I would have thought so. Anyway. I think those passengers on that aircraft should buy themselves a lottery ticket this weekend. I think so, yes. I think, mm. <laughs> so, I think they're on to a definite winner. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, on to the final story in the uh, commercial section this week. And uh, the headline is, um, he says, there we go. Sorry, there we go. Uh, it's breaking travel news. Oh, I left this one for you. Did you? Especially for you. <laughs> oh, I like this. Oh, dear. Because we, we covered one of yeah, these earlier we on. We did, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in fact, actually, I'm going to prep that to, to, to show. That is ANA to launch. Uh, this is, as I say, breaking travel news. And ANA to launch two more Star Wars themed planes. Now, I think we covered this before, didn't yeah, we, actually, where, yeah. they were, where, the, where they were doing it. They're going to do two more, look. They are indeed. I'll tell you, who, I'll tell you who's going to love this. Yeah. 
and uh, if he's listening, yeah. I hope he's listening, um, over at the Airplane Geeks, David <laughs> Vanderhoff. Because uh, yeah. David loves his Star Trek. Yeah. If you, if anyone, Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars, <gasps> sorry. Dare you. Sorry. <laughs> be ashamed, be I'll very get, ashamed. I'll get hate mail you will, you from, will from David. <laughs> no, anyway, going back. <laughs> yeah. no, but da- David, uh, he, for those of you who uh, listen to the Airplane Geeks show, you'll know that David loves his Star Wars. Yeah. Absolutely loves his Star Anything to do with Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is this is definitely uh, going to appeal to David, I think. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Anyway, the story, uh, as I say, A&A to launch two more uh, Star Wars-themed planes. Two more A&A planes will be decorated with Star Wars characters as part of an agreement with the Walt Disney Company. Uh, BB-8, a brand new character uh, from Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is scheduled for theatrical release in December 2015, and I'm very much looking forward to going and seeing that, by the way, uh, will be displayed uh, on the livery of the BB-8 ANA jet, a Boeing uh, 777-300ER. Oh, they're going for the 777. Indeed. Uh, ANA also announced the Star Wars ANA jet, which will showcase both BB-8 and R2-D2 on the outside of of a Boeing 767-300. These uh, Star Wars-themed planes will join the previously announced R2-D2 ANA jet, a Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner. Though this combination of characters... uh, through Sorry, my apologies. Through this combination of ANA characters, uh, they hope uh, to welcome more passengers of all ages from around the world. ANA launched the Star Wars project in April 2015 after signing a five-year promotion lease contract with the Star Wars brand uh, with the new with the Walt Disney Company, as part of the agreement, the ANA um, the ANA Star Wars planes will also display in-flight decorations such as headrest covers, paper napkins, and cups featuring Star Wars characters. More details will be announced at a later date. The partnership also means that ANA will be the only airline in the world to offer all six of the currently released Star Wars films as part of its extensive in-flight entertainment options on international routes. This will be the first time that any of the Star Wars movies have been included as part of an in-flight entertainment system. Really? I'm amazed that. The three Star Wars jets will fly international and domestic routes. On October the 18th, the R2-D2 ANA jet is scheduled to go into service on international routes, initially as flight NH-116 between Tokyo and Vancouver, and then fly between Japan and other cities in ANA's robust international network, including the US, Seattle and San San Jose, uh, Europe, uh, Munich, Paris and Brussels, and Australia, but into Sydney, uh, China into Beijing and Indonesia, into Jakarta in November. The Star Wars ANA jet will fly domestic Japanese routes uh, and then in March 2016 the BB-8 ANA jet is scheduled to start serving international routes principally between Japan and North America. The exact routes have officially yet to be announced. I think it's great with these airlines that Mm. that put these um, these kind of Sort of decor or, or paint yeah. schemes on the aircraft as <laughs> such. Oh, well, it's I think it's, fun. Fun. I think I it's it, really, yeah. really good. Oh, very um, much so. Because a lot of airlines are doing stuff like that. Mm. Um, Eva Air, I don't know if yeah. you if you know Eva or heard of Eva Air. Um, they done, they done their, um, I think they done their 777. That was a 777 300ER with yeah. the Hello Kitty. You know oh, the Hello yeah, Kitty yeah, yeah. Yes, logo. I do. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they done the Hello Kitty one. And I think there's a lot of airlines 
around Europe have now, have now started putting retro liveries on their oh, aircraft. Cool. So they're, they're putting the, their old colours yeah, from, yeah. from years ago on their and some of their aircraft, <laughs> Just as all which is quite cool. Which oh, is quite no, cool. Yeah, but it's, it's a bit of harmless fun, isn't it? I, I, I love it. I mean, it might as well be decorated with something. I'll right? tell you what, I would love BA, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure some of the listeners would agree. I'm sure um, uh, BA, I'd love for BA to put their old... And it's called the Landor livery. Right. That on their aircraft. Okay. I'll show you later. Yeah, okay. I've got a model yeah. upstairs. Oh, I'm a, of a TriStar. Um, oh, dear. Yeah. Of the, uh, I'd love to see BA's old livery on an aircraft again. That would be So go on, be go on then. Cool. Describe it for me. What, 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 what is kind the of, old livery? It's kind, it's kind of, um, what should we say? It's a blue underbelly right. with a white top. Yeah. And uh, on the tail, it's... Um, it's kind of the original BA logo, the flag, the right. British kind oh. of. A, it's hard to explain, but I'll no, show okay. you. Right. I'll show, you. show me a picture. I'm I'll sorry. show you. A picture. Yes, yeah. I'll I was just you. trying to help our listeners in case they didn't know what it is. They'll know what the well, land or livery sorry, is yes. on BA. Yeah, the, well, most of them. There's are. presumably some people who 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 are as clueless as I am listening. <laughs> No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, harsh but fair. I know. And on that note, I think you're going to have to make me a cup of tea to make up for that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's the end of the commercial news it for this, uh, for yep. this week. Uh, as we said, we've got uh, got some military news to come up next, yep. and we've also got our last batch of mm, React yes, interviews. React interviews yes. so, so, yes. We're going to come back to you yep. after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on. Aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> No, it's probably best. What is cricket in here? Well, it, it's something, something we win a lot. No, it's not. Oh. It's something we win a lot. Actually, I should just say that we're doing really badly at the moment. They are actually beating us at the moment. Oh, are, not, not, we've oh, already won. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, we, will we beat them anyway? At, yeah, yeah, at the, yeah. um, we have the ashes. The it's fine. It's all part of the fun. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm destroying things here. You. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> destroying the microphones here. No need for that. Yes. So, we're back. We are, yes. Yes, yeah. And the sun's starting to go down here. It is, yeah. It'll start to ice over soon. <laughs> it's not that bad. No. It is not that bad. I know, bad. I know. Yes. Um, right, so we've got some military news. We have, yes. Uh, so we better get that done, we? We had, yeah. Oh, yes. Should we get in? Right then, so it's our rundown of this week's military news, so if you're ready, Pat. I am, yes, yes. Let's go. I know. <laughs> Just coming in, t- uh, commenting on the uh, British Caledonian spoon that Matt's Absolutely, stirring his yes. tea with. Indeed, yes. In fact, actually, for, as I say, for the benefit of those on YouTube, here we are. Um, oh, he's got his Farnborough mug. Yeah, he's got my Farnborough mug. And the British Caledonian or the Caledonian Airways spoon, teaspoon. <laughs> See what I have to put up with, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> so, first news story then. Indeed, uh, yes. On the Flight Global, 
And the headline, Lockheed Skunk Works designing next-gen U-2 spy plane. So Lockheed Martin Skunk Works is designing a next-generation high-altitude, long-endurance uh, hail, uh, which is a surveillance aeroplane known internally as RQ-X or UQ-2, as an optionally manned successor to the uh, U-2 and North Grumman RQ-4 Global Hawk. U-2 program officials uh, told reporters at the Skunk Works headquarters in Palmdale, California, that its engineers had been muling designs for stealthy hail platform that would combine the best of the U-2 and its unmanned rival, the Global Hawk. The advanced research development arm of Lockheed is essentially pursuing an improved version of the U-2, which is powered by the same General Electric F-118 engine and optimised to fly at 70,000 feet or higher Wow. Wow. It would carry many of the same sensors uh, since those are already calibrated for use at that altitude. The biggest difference would be the aircraft's low observable characteristics. Think of a low observable U-2, says Scott Winstead, Lockheed's U-2 strategic development manager. It's pretty much where the U-2 is today, but a low observable body and more endurance. The disclosure comes on the 60th anniversary of the U-2 program, and uh, as stagnant defence budgets uh, forced the Pentagon to choose between retiring the U-2 or Global Hawk. The US Air Force has no formal requirement for a U-2 successor, nor has it released a time frame for when it might start pursuing a next-generation hail platform. But U-2 program director Melini Austin says Skunk Works see a future need and would, uh, would be reminisced not to have something in development. Mm. Skunk Works is famous for delivering the first U-2A in under one year in 1955 and returning 15% of the development cost to the government for underrunning the contract. Underrunning? Wow, that's an unusual Good. complaint. <laughs> that's, well, that's 1955, though, to be uh, fair. Ah, uh, right. Uh, yes. But Austin says with funding and a clear, stable requirement, Skunk Works could again rapidly develop, uh, deliver a next-generation aircraft with far more capability than either the U-2 or the Global Hawk. I'm sure somebody will correct me when I say this, but it is incredibly rare these days for something to come in on budget, let alone under budget these days. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it, the, the, that was 1955. I mean, things are different now. Obviously, things get done, I, well, I presume, quicker these days. But, yeah, but um, everything goes massively over budget. Everything. I mean, it's like you, you build a building and it goes, you know... <laughs> Two or three thousand pounds over budget. You, mm. you build an Olympic stadium and it goes a hundred million pounds over budget. Now, the U2, I've not seen one of these mm. uh, close up, but the U2, as we said, manufactured by Lockheed Skunk Works or Lockheed mm. Martin, it was actually designed by someone called Clarence Kelly Johnson. Right. And first flew on the 1st of August 1955, mm. introduced into service in 1957, way before we were born. <laughs> and Just, yeah. primary <laughs> users being the US Air Force, uh, mm. Central Intelligence Agency, uh, Republic of China Air Force, and NASA Ooh. also use Ooh, these. NASA. Oh. And there's been 104 of these built, the U-2. Ah. There we go. Wow, those are impressive numbers, aren't they? Next story? Yeah, they are. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes. The next story is, uh, it's, uh, sorry, my mouse is playing up. One second. There Here you we go. go. Yes, we're away. Uh, right. Flight Global again. And uh, you, do you do this to me on purpose? What, the Illusion? Uh, illusion. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> the Illusion selects uh, electric system for the, now is this the 11-112? 
yeah. the II dash. I think it's let's see the II dash one one two. Okay, apologies then if I've one. got the correct. Some, uh, Carlos will just double check that for me now. Uh, yeah, so Illusion selects electric system for the II dash one one two V transport. Russian manufacturer Illusion has decided to equip the II dash. The II-112V light military transport with electrically driven wing flaps, according to supplier uh, te- <laughs> Technodymica, I think. Um, that was good. Well done. Uh, thank you. Mm. Uh, Lucian selected the uh, Rostic subsidiary uh, that specialises in aircraft systems to supply the electric power systems to drive the flaps, um, uh, this, this company says, in a... Th- 13th of August news release. The decision indicates that Russia is pursuing a higher level of sophistication for the twin turboprop um, II-112V aircraft, which is scheduled to enter service after 2016. Most aircraft traditionally use hydraulics or a combination of hydraulic-powered actuators and electrically driven controllers to move the wing flaps. But um, Technodynamica is developing a system uh, for the II-112V that uses electric power alone, according to the company's uh, new release. Uh, the general director of Technodynamica says that the decision reflects another step forward uh, towards fulfilling the concept of a more electric aircraft. The goal is replace hydraulic and pneumatic power systems on aircraft with lighter and more reliable electric-driven systems. Are they more Are they more reliable electric systems? Than hydraulic, yeah, because if, if you lose hydraulic fluid... yeah game over yeah. but obviously if you lose electric power yeah. I mean it is you, but I think look, yeah. um, Mind with you, a mixture if, of the two if you, if you lose electric power you also lose hydraulics mm, yes so I suppose yes. so, if you're going to lose yeah, <laughs> you haven't got anything to, to get anyway Technodynamica is also supplying the hydraulic cylinders oxygen equipment and the main electric system for the II-112V the company says Russia has uh, revived uh, development uh, of the II-112V as concerns grow about continued access to the Antonov AN-140, a Ukrainian-made aircraft now relied on for the light transport mission. So the aircraft in question then, mm. the II-112, I yes. think we'll call it, yeah. <laughs> um, is due to first fly in 2017, mm. um, hopefully, has a crew of two up front. Wow. Um, and also... Is powered by two Klimov TV7 uh, turboprops, mm-hmm. producing 2,800 horsepower each. Mm. Uh, should have a cruise speed of between 550 and 580 kilometers an hour, yeah. which converts to about 340, 360 miles per hour, yeah. and have a range of 5,000 kilometers uh, wow. with a two ton load. Uh, and a service ceiling of 30,000 feet Gosh. up there. Up there. <laughs> up there. Uh, but, yeah, that's not due out yet. But um, it would be good to see, though, some, some new Russian aircraft online, I think, yeah. rather than the old ones that keep flying around the coasts of um, <laughs> of the UK. Yes, yes. Um, exciting. Exciting our, 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 our typhoons. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, and you ne- one never wants a typh- an excited typhoon. No, definitely not. No, no, no. They can be a little trigger happy, it has to be said. So, next story, uh, Flight Global. Yes. And the headline, Israel up upgrades F-16s to cope with missile threat. So Israel is upgrading its Lockheed Martin F-16, uh, I think that's L, I, I, I don't know, combat aircraft I, I with, oh, yeah. uh, with uh, several undisclosed systems in order to cope with the increased Ooh, threat from secret, surface secret, oh, launched yes. missiles. <laughs> 
A senior Air Force officer tells Flight Global that intelligence reports indicate that the enhancement is necessary. The threats we are facing uh, and will face, according to the intelligence assessments, require an installation of the new systems, he says. We put uh, focus on dealing with surface-to-air missiles that threaten the aircraft and need to destroy surface-to-aircraft missile sites that are ready to launch air into Israel. The Air Force is particularly aware of the possibility that we'll have to attack locations defended by advanced anti-aircraft systems, notably the Russian-made NPO Almaz S-300, which uh, Iran is attempting to acquire. In May, the service took part in a joint exercise with its Greek counterpart and performed missions against later's, the latter's uh, S-300 batteries. In a separate initiative, Tel Aviv is equipping one squadron of F-16s with Boeing's GBU-39 small-diameter mm. bomb. A recent operational review of the service's 107 squadron cleared the unit to utilise GPS-guided munition. Previously, the Israeli Air Force has deployed the GBU-39 on F-15s flown by 69 squadron. So I see I've their point a, here. I've chosen a really rubbish time to, to, to creep. Yeah. So I see the point here. They're, they're, they're obviously, you know, you don't want to be shot down. And if you don't want to be shot down, you've got to have something in place on the aircraft that you can press a button and it will tell those Intercepting, missiles yeah. to go away. Um, off, yes. yes, to go away. <laughs> um, so that uh, obviously the Israelis are, um, you know, it's, uh, and again, as we've had before in the military segment, the F-16s again being used by, you know, another another force in the world. These are mm. these are a very, very popular fighter jet indeed. They certainly are. They certainly are. The next story, moving on. Indeed, yes, the next story is, uh, it is on Flight Global again, and the headline is Argentina to retire Mirage Fleet. Is it Mira- Mirage? Mirage, yes, Mirage? Oh, well done. Hope. Argentina is reportedly planning to retire its Air Force's mixed fleet of Dassault Mirage fighters in November as budget constraints force the government to make cuts to its inventory. Pictures have surfaced, surfaced of the Argenti- Argentine my. my Dear, oh dear. The Argentine... What did I say it was? Mirage. Mirage. Yeah, Argentine Mirage. (laughs) Oh, dear. Participating in a retirement ceremony uh, (laughs) observed by Air Force Chief uh, Brigadier uh, General Miguel Calados. Although the fleet will remain in service for a further three months. The decommissioning of the Mirages will leave um, Buenos Aires... (laughs) <laughs> so sounds like goodbye, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, with a capability gap, although uh, Uruguayan media reports uh, that a replacement will be sought, subject to funding availability. The Air Force's fleet consists of eight Mirage 3s, or um, four Mirage 5s, and four Mirage 5-derived uh, Israel Airspace Industries Nesha's Flight Global's fleet's analyzer database shows. In addition, the Air Force five-strong fleet of Lockheed Martin C-138 transports are undergoing a refurbishment uh, through the US foreign military sales process, the first of which is due to be delivered in October. The fleet is receiving a Rockwell Collins flight to avionics suite in a program overseen by L-3 platform integration. The upgrade includes a new glass cockpit, primary flight displays and flight management systems. Work began in 2014 with the first aircraft registration TC-69 built in 1968 being inducted as L-3's facility in Waco, Texas. Waco. Waco, my apologies. (laughs) While the remaining four aircraft will be upgraded at the FADEA modification facility in Cordobia. 
Cordoba. Mm. Cordoba. Oh dear, I'm doing so badly. I'm uh, Apologies to all <laughs> listeners uh, in Argentina with L-3 support. Argentina has also uh, got a Lockheed L-100-30, the civilian variant of the C-130, in its inventory analyzer records. So the Dassault Mirage 5, mm. uh, manufactured by Dassault Aviation, mm. first flew in 19, uh, 19th of May 1967. Yeah quite a few years ago, yes, uh, still active with the French Air Force, Belgian Air Force, mm. Egyptian Air Force, Pakistan Air Force, mm. and the Pakistan Navy. And there's been 582 of these built, these uh, Mirage 5s. Wow. Um, but no, an old aircraft, but again, you know, it's, mm. it's lasts last a long... I'll tell you what, planes last a hell of a lot longer than mm. cars. Yes, they do. They don't they? do, yeah. I do not agree. I do. No, I, I do definitely agree. I do agree. Oh, I can hear a van... Oh, that's sounds, good news. Sounds very much like my van. Does it? Up yes, with the wife in. <laughs> absolutely. So we do have a top 10 US fighters. We do. This is our very last story. Uh, it's on the Washington Times and in at number 10. So at number 10, then, it is the F-22 Raptor, mm. uh, which is a single-seat twin-engine fifth-generation supersonic uh, fighter jet that uses stealth technology. Ooh. Yes. Absolutely. At number nine. At number nine, it's the F-35 Lightning II. The Lockheed Martin F-35 Lightning II is a family of single-seat fight, uh, fighters uh, with fifth-generation multi-role fighters uh, that perform ground attack, reconnaissance, and air defense missions with stealth capability. Ooh, at number eight. At number eight, it is the F-15 Strike Eagle. Uh, the McDonnell Douglas, now Boeing, F-15E Strike Eagle is an American all-weather multi-role fighter derived from the McDonnell Douglas F-15 Eagle. Number seven. At number seven is, <laughs> when the computer decides it's going to move, <laughs> is the F-16 Fighting Falcon. Uh, That's the, the aircraft we were just talking about. It was, yes. Uh, General Dynamics, uh, now Lockheed Martin, F-16 Fighting Falcon is a single-engine multi-role fighter aircraft originally developed by General Dynamics for the United uh, States Air Force and signed as an air superiority day fighter. Number six. Number six, it's the F-117 Nighthawk. The Lockheed F-117 Nighthawk is a single-seater, twin-engine stealth ground attack aircraft formerly operated by the United States Air Force, uh, a product of Lockheed Skunk Works and development of the Have Blue Technology Demonstrator. Uh, the F-17, 117, was the first operational aircraft to be designed around stealth technology. Ooh, very posh. Number five. Number five, it is the F-18 Hornet. The McDonnell Douglas, now Boeing, F-18 Hornet, is a twin-engine supersonic all-weather carrier-capable multi-role combat jet designed as both a fighter and attack aircraft. And number four... So at number four, it's the A-10 <laughs> Thunderbolt. I know. It's the A-10 <laughs> Thunderbolt, uh, or Warthog. The Fairchild Republic A-10 Thunderbolt II is an American twin-engine straight-wing jet uh, developed by Fairchild Republic in the early 1970s and is the only United States Air Force aircraft designed solely for close air support of ground forces. It's got a bit of a snarl on the front, on the front there, isn't it's, it? With yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a mis absolutely. mischievous looking aircraft. Yeah, very much so. Anyway, at uh, number three. At number three, it's uh, our good old Harrier. 
Aviate B oh, Harrier the 2. Harrier, yes. The McDonnell Douglas uh, now Boeing Aviate B Harrier 2 is a single engine ground attack aircraft that consti- uh, constitutes the second generation of the Harrier jump jet family, capable of uh, vertical and short takeoff and landings. The aircraft was deline- uh, designed sorry, in the late 1970s as an Anglo American development of the British Hawker Sidley Harrier. There we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- number two. And in at number two, it is the F-14 Tomcat. The Grumman F-14 Tomcat is a supersonic twin-jet, two-seat variable sweep wing fighter aircraft. The Tomcat was developed for the United States Navy uh, as a naval fighter experiment VFX program following the collapse of the F-111B project. There we go. And finally... At number one. So at number one, it, it's, it's, it's an old favourite. It's mm. the F-4 Phantom. The McDonnell Douglas F-4 Phantom II has a tandem two-seat twin-engine all-weather long-range supersonic jet interceptor fighter and fighter bomber. Originally developed for the United States Navy by McDonnell Douglas Aircraft, it first entered service in 1960 with the uh, U.S. Navy. Proving highly adaptable, it was also adopted by the U.S. Marine Corps and the U.S. Air Force, and by the mid-1960s had become a major part of their respective air wings. The Phantom is a large fighter with a top speed of over Mach 2.2 and can carry 18,000 pounds of weapons in nine external hardpoints. Gosh. So there we go. That is. That is a, bit a of change. top ten. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where we bring the military segment to a close. We have is. got uh, a few shout-outs to uh, to make for our listeners on the show. Uh, just a couple of uh, ones that are commented uh, as we've been recording. So hello to Jeff Ward. So Jeff Ward is one of our listeners from Billerica in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. USA. Uh, he loves the show and is looking forward to hearing this episode oh, after good. Matt's edited it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's been an eventful one, I, I think. <laughs> so hello to you, Jeff. And also hello to Dan Mannion as well. He's uh, liked the status. And also hello to our good friend Daniel Hannington as well. Mm. Uh, Dan posted a really good picture on uh, Facebook um, he always does. this week, yeah. um, which he took at Eastbourne, um, mm. which he actually took of the Red Arrows, which is really good. Mm. Um, for those of you, don't forget, if you want to follow uh, Dan Hannington, Daniel Hannington, look on DH Aviation mm. on uh, Instagram, and uh, you'll find him on there with cool. some very nice. awesome pictures. Absolutely. Okay, uh, it, it is time then to put out our very, very final React set of interviews which is all yes. very sad very sad very exciting uh so we've got uh, two interviews and then we've got a summary basically so we're listening we're hearing uh from uh, at the end uh, we're hearing from uh, major andy van alshen um but first up it is lieutenant hall So we're back again at Riyadh on uh, Sunday, and uh, Matt is with me now. I He's joined me today, and also Pip is back with me again today. Good morning, Pip. Good morning, everyone. And <laughs> hello, Matt. Hello, morning, morning, morning. Good. Oh, and we better say hello to Isaac as well. Yeah, hello, Isaac. Hello. Yeah, Pip brought his son <laughs> with him, bless him. And uh, we're very lucky indeed to get uh, a quick interview with uh, the pilot of the Apache AH-64D. And your name? Lieutenant Hall. Lieutenant Hall, so thanks for taking time out to speak to us on the show. Yes, so a bit about the uh, helicopter you fly then, the Apache. 
sorry, what was uh, a bit about the uh, the helicopter, the sort of the uh, speeds and the, the kind of uh, the sort of kind of missions you do. Okay, so the um, H sixty four D is pretty much very similar to the British H sixty four D. The only difference you'll see here today is that we do not have the fire control radar install- installed on top. This is a dual engine helicopter, uh, capable of maximum speeds of about one hundred forty knots in level flight. Uh, it's designed to protect troops on the ground and to li- to deliver firepower where it's needed. Excellent. Uh, what sort of speeds does this uh, helicopter fly at, sort of, uh, sort of flat out, to say? Well, we cruise around 110 knots uh, on the way over here. This one's particularly a race car of the of the group, so we were pulling about 130 knots. Uh, but maximum power applied continuous for the transmission limits, you're going to get about 140 to 150 knots out of this helicopter. That's, that's pretty quick. That's, that's <laughs> pretty quick. And um, whereabouts are you based? Are you based in the UK, you say? Uh, no, sir. We're based in Ansbach, Germany. So a uh, little air- airfield called Katterbach Army Airfield, the 12th Combat Aviation Brigade. Uh, also, uh, where's, where's home for you? I'm from Alabama, so roll tide. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So you're, you're a few miles away from home. Do, do you miss home being, being sort of stationed out here? Uh, I've been stationed here for two years, and I'm, I believe I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity to live in Germany and to live in Europe and to travel and to meet... Um, soldiers and citizens from from all around uh, Eastern Europe and Western Europe and visit here in the UK. Uh, Riet has been amazing. Uh, I can't believe I've got this opportunity to come here and have such a good time. Uh, The camaraderie between the service members, the common bond that we share at this air show and in service uh, has been really amazing. So it's been very, very, very fortunate to be here. Awesome. So you flying back uh, after the show today, back, uh, back to the base? Indeed, we are going to try to depart Monday, uh, which is tomorrow, but the weather's not looking too good, and we are currently only a VFR-capable aircraft, so if it's IFR, no go for us. Just explain to me what the difference, because I don't know anything about much or much about AVF. What's the difference between the the two? IFR and VFR. Okay, so VFR is visual flight rules, and that's where you can fly the aircraft with reference to the, the ground and the area around you. IFR is where you is inf- instrument flight rules where you fly the aircraft in reference to only the instruments and instrumentation in the aircraft. So you can fly in and out of the clouds or completely in clouds with zero visibility, referencing only the instruments in your aircraft and safely conduct the flight. Uh, because of the equipment on the Apache, we do not have the uh, capability to fly IFR. Um, so, so so, ask, no. What's it lacking for IFR capability? Um, in terms of lacking for IFR capability, uh, there's certain rules that the Federal Aviation Administration in America has for what aircraft can conduct IFR flight, and this this aircraft partic- particularly does not have um, an electrical system that meets the, that standard uh, in terms of backup battery power. Uh-huh. And then, uh, for example, we do have a GPS, but it has a uh, it doesn't have the the correct sort of database to be considered capable. I mean, what does that mean for you operationally? If, if war were to break out tomorrow, does that mean you, you can only go out when the weather's nice? It's <laughs> well, a genuine question. You, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it, the war times, the, the, those sort of rules go out the window a little bit and you just do what you got to do. Uh, rest assured, we will follow the regulations that, that we operate under, but we uh, will always be fair, there for the ground guys that need us to help. That's why we exist. Super. So, can I, can I just ask a, a couple more technical questions? Um, now, I, I don't really understand helicopters. You said this has two engines. Yep. So we're all familiar with what happens when a, when a fixed-wing engine uh, you know, engine fails, you adverse urine, all the rest of it. Correct. What's the sort of 
what happens when a, a helicopter engine fails? What sort of performance are you left with? Uh, performance is limited, uh, but this aircraft at these current conditions is completely capable of flying on one engine. The goal at that point would be to land the helicopter as soon as possible, as soon as practicable in terms of finding an open airfield to land at and conduct a roll-on landing. It's not able to hover on one engine, uh-huh. um, and the transmission can only... We can only apply a certain amount of power before we get into limitations, but it's certainly capable of conducting level, climb, accelerating, and decelerating flight on one engine. Okay, but for uh, sort of combat operations, if you're a single engine for some reason, yet it's time to, to go home. Um, that would be a dire situation, I think. I personally have not experienced that. Uh, it's all dependent on the situation on the ground. Fair enough. So just out of interest, is it fully, fully fueled? Uh, what, what's the range? How far can you get from... How, what's the range from base, basically? Um, fully fueled, it, it can provide about uh, two to three hours of, of operating time. And then if you calculate at 110 knots, whatever that gives you. So in terms of nautical mile range, um, it certainly does not have the range as a fixed-wing aircraft, but uh, that's the, a common, common thing amongst rotary-wing aircraft. So a bit about yourself and how did it all start for you, your sort of uh, passion or for aviation or flying? Um, well, I've always been fascinated with flight. Uh, my grandfather was in the Army Army Air, Cadet, Air, Air Force back during the war and then afterwards uh, he did not um, he did not serve in the um, in World War II in that capacity. But he after the war he served in the Air Force and once it became the Air Force. Uh, I've always been fascinated with it. I, uh, I grew up dreaming of flight you know playing everyone plays with their their jets and makes yeah. <laughs> it just I always been uh, enjoyed it uh, i got into commercial uh, fixed wing i got into got into a college and did fixed wing training there got my private pilot license airplane single engine land and then instrument um, and after that i joined the military with the goal of flying high performance military aircraft and so here i am so i've been very fortunate Excellent. So, uh, so you can fly. You, are you sort of type rated or in other types of aircraft within within the U.S. Army? I'm I'm type rated uh, only in one other aircraft, and that's our trainer helicopter. So, and what, what's the trainer helicopter? Uh, it's called the TH-67. Now, the uh, there are some changes coming, but I am qualifying the TH-67 Creek helicopter as a trainer. And how, how does that feel uh, in comparison to the Apache? Uh, it's probably compared to like driving a Model T to a Ferrari. <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Slight, slightly different, yeah, yeah. then. Slight, slightly different. Okay. So what's, what's the future hold for you then? Uh, uh, have you got any sort of big plans for the future? Uh, I'm going to serve the, the remainder of my tour here. I've got one year left, and then uh, after that I'll move on where the Army tells me to go and uh, just go from there. I'm looking forward to what the future holds. I'm going to look always... Slight fly over there for Tornado GL4. <laughs> Those jets are very rude. Um, no, I'm always going to look back on my time here. Okay, okay. So we're, we're back again. Okay. <laughs> um, as I said, uh, what's next for me is I'll, I'll finish out my tour here in Europe. Um, I always have fond memories of the time I spent here at Riyadh. Uh, working across Europe, training with multinational NATO partners. Um, but then I'll move back to the States and, uh, and progress in my career and go on from there. So. Well, best of luck for the future yeah. uh, from us guys here. And uh, enjoy the rest of Ria. And thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much for that. 
Okay, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So we've been very lucky indeed, uh, me, Matt, and Pip, to uh, get on board the Royal Netherlands Air Force KC-10. And uh, we are here with... Major Andy van Elfen, I'm the aircraft commander this weekend. And to correct you right away, it's the KDC-10, but that's details. (laughs) Oops, that's me. We'll have to edit that one out. (laughs) The KDC-10, there we go. So a bit about the aircraft, and if you could tell us a bit about uh, you know wh- wh- what its uh, what its role is and stuff with the Royal Netherlands Air Force. Yeah, we use it as a multi-role tanker transport, much like the Airbus uh, right beside us almost is doing as well. For us, we decided to uh, compartmentalize the whole plane, which means we have 150 chairs available. Plus, uh, the main deck holds the uh, cargo, uh, oversized cargo, if you will, and uh, in the lower bellies we can stick some more caro and then the third part is our air refueling roll which we will uh, we'll we'll use our own fuel for uh, refueling the receivers and of course our own need excellent so this aircraft is based uh, on the dc-10 which is obviously a very popular passenger aircraft Uh, they've all i think they've the last dc-10 ceased passenger operations uh, earlier on this year so these are quite a quite a uh, uh, robust, but uh, they're starting to f- to be a uh, uh, being phased out uh, from uh, from service. Are these are these here to sort of stay for quite a few more years within the Royal Netherlands uh, Air Force? Yeah, we most of us hope so because it's a lovely plane to fly and it's still uh, a very solid platform. What the plan for the future holds? Hopefully next year, signing contracts for the new uh, Airbus MR330 as well. And we hope to stick a boom in there so that we'll have both air refueling systems available. Uh, which would mean then when that contract is signed that these ones will be, the DC-10 will be phased out uh, within five, I'd say five to eight years. Uh, and uh, yeah, one wants it real fast and the other one can't wait uh, to phase it out in the end or so to speak or keep it up as long as possible. And, yeah. You mentioned earlier that these ones, these airframes, were purchased from uh, Martinair, uh, the Dutch airlines. How old are these ones that you're operating? Uh, these ones are plus or minus 40 years old in the meantime. We purchased them 20 years ago. Actually, this year is our 20-year anniversary. So the good thing, though, is although we do fly them a lot, it doesn't uh, rack up the hours as fast as the Civi Airlines do because we fly the special mission. We don't need to be full every time. We just need to... Please, uh, anybody that gives a mission, uh, brings a mission our way, and we'll try to do it uh, to the best of our ability. So you're obviously doing a lot of uh, air transport work just with passengers and, and troops and people like that. But you've also mentioned that you're going to start using this in the, uh, or you are using it in the air-to-air refueling role, which is that big probe out the back. Yeah. So, correct. yeah. I mean, what sort of safety challenges does, does that give you compared to just flying... Compared to just flying transport around, what sort of things do you need to consider now when you're uh, doing air-to-air refueling? We uh, started the air-to-air refueling right away when we purchased them. So it was a multi-role aircraft uh, from the beginning. And the challenge, obviously, in air refueling is, besides the the challenge of making it happen, is also the vicinity of uh, airframes in the neighborhood of your own plane at altitudes. The good part is we're all heading in the same direction and uh, flying at the more or less same speed. And everybody is trained well or will be trained well to uh, make it to, into a success. And uh, so far, so good. But I suppose you, the, the, um, the capabilities to be able to refuel at dark in a war zone with, uh, with zero radio contact with the, with the guys, with the fighters hanging off the back. So I assume you, 
you spend a lot of time training and developing special procedures to to accomplish that so you don't need to you know broadcast whilst you're doing it you can maintain radio silence and, and do the job in complete silence yeah like you said if we can standardize uh, every piece of training and which most of the nato crews are able to that means that uh, for us we can expect the receiver to do what we're hoping he will do and in such a way like you said as well if there's need to we could do it uh, radio silence and or if not we can always break in on the radio or use our visual signals with lights uh, direct pilot director lights and or uh, standard procedures like a breakaway which means that uh, he'll notice by other lights coming on the anti-collision beacon on the lower part is then specially there to give everybody a heads up that it's now time to move away from each other because something unsafe was about to happen so in this time uh, uh, yeah that works for all countries otherwise you're not approved you need to get your diploma so to say uh, to be able to do it So performance-wise, um, performance-wise, does this the, this particular aircraft differ very much from the passenger variant, sort of speed or the handling characteristics of this aircraft? Is it, is it very different from the original passenger aircraft? No, the only add-on from the outside you can visually see is obviously the boom. So there's a little bit of a, a takeoff uh, penalty, which means that if you are calculating your takeoff numbers, then you uh, take that obviously into account. But that's just paperwork in the beginning and it's very much the same as it always was excellent have you uh, do you fly any other aircraft uh, in in the uh, now? i missed that so you have to say as, as, do you fly any other aircraft within the royal netherlands air force no we uh, normally i'd say 99 percent of the pilots will fly only one time Okay, so a bit about your uh, your career then. How did it all start for you? Was it a young age you you sort of got the the bug for aviation or flying? Yeah, that's true. We uh, just had to fill in the forms, right? And it uh, did happen in the end. It was about uh, wow, <laughs> thirty years ago. <laughs> and uh, for me, it uh, it was like a dream come true. So I started to be a fighter pilot, which was the way to go ahead in the Dutch Air Force at the time. And then from there on, I went to transport. So I flew the old F-27. After that, the Fokker 50, the Fokker 50 military, 60, the military variant of it. Then I went on to the AWACS, and I've been at the KDC-10 now for about uh, nine years. Oh, wow. Uh, you mentioned the AWACS. We were just talking to the AWACS crew yesterday, and I was asking them about some of the flight duty limits they have. Obviously, some of the missions you're doing are probably pretty long, you know, 10, 12 hours plus. As a military operator, do you have flight time limitations you need to um, to respect and and, uh, and uh, abide by, or do you just fly the hours you need to fly to get the mission done? Uh, both ways, though. We do have an FDR as well, flight duty regulations, and we stick to that as much as we can, which would amount to about 90%, I say. we If we then don't make a mission, we can always add an augmented crew or even a double crew, which means we can extend the hours. They all start with your showtime in the morning if you get penalized for the rest of the day but uh, special missions like uh, earthquakes or floodings like Nepal and the Philippines we obviously have no problem to fly a longer day to get the mission done of course always keeping in the back of your head the safety there and as an aircraft commander you get to decide in the end talking amongst your crew if it's a smart thing to go on or to stop because uh, safety first obviously but there's a certain amount of captain's discretion 
Yeah. Uh, so you can choose yeah, to go on. An hour, an hour or so to play with, depending on what the mission was extended with in the first place. So what's the future hold for you within the Royal Netherlands Air Force? Have you, uh, have you got any plans for the future? Uh, any other different aircraft you want to fly, like the MRTT next to us? Yeah, that would be the uh, perfect solution for me. The older you get, the more staff job and uh, staff work you get, obviously. But uh, hopefully I get to see uh, the Airbus fly in the Royal Netherlands Air Force and uh, me on it. That's awesome. Do you have long left to serve out your commission? Uh, they keep changing the pension age, uh, so I wouldn't know, uh, really. So if, 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 uh, if, you, if you could fly any aircraft, in, in the, regardless of the force or whether it was civil or, or, or military, is, is there one aircraft that you'd really love to, to be in control of? What's the, the it, it would be a, a biplane or a Spitfire, in my beliefs, because yeah. uh, I'm halfway gone. I always said as a young boy, I want to fly an F-16 and a Spitfire, yeah. so I'm 50%. Yeah. Oh, good choice, good choice. Well, Andy Van Alphen, thank you very much for giving us your time uh, on the show today and answering the questions. That's, we're very, very, very happy indeed, aren't we? It's, it's been good to talk to you today. I'm sure the listeners will love uh, l- listening to uh, the show. So, thanks very much for your time uh, on the Plane Talking UK podcast and the Plane Safety podcast. And um, thanks again. Thank you, and see you again next year, probably. Yes, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. So you join us then, standing in the glorious sunshine, and uh, this is uh, this is kind of the end, really, for us. We're uh, we're preparing to uh, uh, go back, drive back home, our long drive back uh, to uh, Suffolk, haven't we, uh, Matt? But uh, we all are here together, and uh, Pip, one last time, yeah, Pip. What's, what's been your highlights of the show then for you this year, Pip? Well, I've had just a fantastic weekend. We had so many great cockpit visits yesterday and a few more today. That's just made my weekend. It really has. Obviously, the Vulcan's the, the highlight for everyone. I've really enjoyed seeing the Osprey, actually. It's the first time I've seen that flying, so that was a, that was a nice one to tick off the box. We've still got the Chinook to go this afternoon, and that's always a good display as well. But a fabulous weekend all round. Just brilliant. So Matt, this has been your first Riyadh, uh, and you've thoroughly enjoyed yourself, haven't I you? I have, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm completely in awe of anyone that is capable of doing j- even a tenth of the things that some of these pilots have been doing. It's just, it's amazing. As uh, we, we were talking earlier, it's uh, very sad to see, uh, uh, great to see the Vulcan and, and the Red Arrows doing a sort of one final fly past uh, in formation. And uh, as I say, you, you can't help but feel really sad that it's truly an end of an era. It really is. Yes, and uh, obviously this is the first time that we've all met up. So, uh, so Pip, you know, you've, you've met me and Matt now for the first time. Uh, are, are we what you expected we were going to be? <laughs> you are two of the best-looking guys I think I've ever seen. I'm, I'm quite uh, embarrassed to be stood you are next such to you. A terrible liar, honestly. <laughs> it's been great fun meeting you. Two. It really has. I hope we can do this very soon again in the future. Yep, definitely. For definitely, you're going to have to come to our neck of the woods, Pip. For definitely, bring bring the uh, bring the wife and Isaac as well, and obviously your uh, your uh, your daughter at home as well, and bring her along. I would love to. Like I said yesterday, waiting for the invite. As soon as you've got your PPL and there's a a flight to be had, but uh, I'll do that very soon. But 
a date for the diary then next year. Hopefully, with some of our American friends, will be Farnborough 2016. Yep, Farnborough 2016. We're uh, hoping to all be there, all the podcasts, all everyone together, we'll which is one massive pod- we'll podcast, podcast geekdom, if you will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so yes, that's where we are going to bring uh, the our coverage of the Royal International Air Tattoo 2015 to an end. Yeah. It's been a fantastic weekend. The weather has re- been really great to us. It's been so kind uh, to us. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, and obviously to to finally meet Pip. Yep. You know, he's been been doing our segments now for on the show for quite some time. So uh, it, it's been great to see Ever to since finally God meet was Pip. A boy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh, we better say goodbye as well. While we are here, say goodbye to Isaac. Are you going to say goodbye to our listeners? Bye. Well done. <laughs> Fantastic. Right, so from a very sunny Royal International Air Tattoo, uh, this is Carlos saying goodbye and, well, roll on next air show. And from you, Pip? Great fun. I hope to see you guys and everyone else next year. Take care, everyone. Bye. And from Matt. Oh, it's been so emotional. <laughs> I don't like that. No. Goodbye. We did have fun. Oh, we fair, did. That was a fantastic. We? Yeah, that was such a good weekend. So on uh, on summary, then that was your first. Obviously, that was your first major, major yeah, air show. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, I've mentioned it before. I went to Waddington, had a really good time yeah. there, and of course, I am very much looking forward to our local one, of course, which is uh, seething, seething. That's on, on the sixth of, of September. September. Looking yeah. forward to that. Yes, mother's yeah. looking forward to her wine. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good good show <laughs> there. Is, yeah, I hope uh, Matt will be there with me that day at mm. seething. Yeah. Um, so if you are in the region, as in yeah, our region absolutely. here in the east yeah. of Anglia, mm-hmm. east of Anglia, east of east of oh you know what I mean uh, come and join us at the Seething Air Show yeah. uh, you can uh, if you go on the Seething um, if you just type in Seething Air Show on Google you'll find um, you'll find it on there Jeez, you will. but we'll be there mm. and hopefully fingers crossed I'm going to try and twist Matt's arm we're going to um, hopefully we'll get to the last air show at Duxford this year yes, which yes. is uh, in October right, okay. so hopefully we'll be me and Matt will try and get to that one at we Duxford in October yeah, absolutely yes sir. and obviously I'll be at the Malta Air Show of course you will yes, at yes. the end of September absolutely yes yes Yay. yes and, and uh, yes it's going to be a bit scary because I'm going to be in charge of the desk while you're away and you're going to be I know. Skyping into me for a change so hopefully that, Wi-Fi, no, Wi-Fi it'll dependent be, it'll be fine anyway on that bombshell it so, is time to bring episode number 74 to a close to a close don't forget if you want to get in touch with us uh, obviously the the, the new spandangled website, all very oh, yeah, shiny, uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk. And our Twitter handle is uh, at plaintalkinguk. Well done. You did it this week. <laughs> I did. I, I remembered everything. Uh, normal service will be resumed next week. We have got the legend that is Pip hopefully rejoining yeah, us. So Pip's we'll have a join us again. Him. Mm. Uh, don't forget, he's on the Plane Safety Podcast. Make sure you give that a listen. Yeah, he's, actually putting out, he's actually putting his React interviews out yeah, uh, is, as yeah. well at the moment. So uh, de- definitely worth a listen. So that is it. So from me, Carlos Sin, thanks for listening to episode 74 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. It's been a pleasure, and yes, we hope yeah. you, you've enjoyed all of our interviews mm. uh, that we've done at Riyadh this, uh, for this year, yeah. as much as we enjoyed uh, getting them for you. It was good, yes. So for that's it then. Yes. Episode 74. Indeed. So, so for me, for Carlos, it's a pleasant evening and a very warm goodbye. Indeed. And from me here, uh, also in Carlos's rather lovely garden, uh, it's also goodbye. 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 <laughs>